hi again. Are we ready for the second part of what happened after Acts? Um, the last session I did was was really about what happened internally within the church, the battle that they had to fight over doctrine um, and uh, the the creeds as we know them now were finalised uh, sometime in the fifth century. But of course, I mean the history of the next 1700 years um, has been the battle um, over doctrine as well and we live with it today. So that's nothing um, unusual. But we do have the canon of scripture. And I guess I'm addressing an audience that uh, would say, well, that's our yardstick that we judge everything by the canon of scripture as we have to sometimes interpret it in the light of the fact we live in a different culture in the 21st century. And you remember that I said that there were three battles that in this first, this early church period that um, the church had to fight. The first one was against, really against the whole background of Judaism and the resistance of that. And uh, my wife and I were reading this morning um, when Paul and, and Silas were in um, Philippi. Uh, no, um, Philippi and, and then Thessalonica. How that, you know, they were brutally beaten in Philippi and then they escaped from their lives um, from Thessalonica. And, and, and that, was, that was from the, the um, Judaism, it wasn't the Romans. And the, we, we need to understand that um, the, under Roman law, Jews were a protected religion. Um, I think the Romans didn't really know what to do with them. Strangely enough, they were, they were regarded by, by uh, the Romans and the Greeks as atheists. Well, that seems strange to us, but simply because they didn't worship the gods. And the god that they said they did worship, well, there was no image of him. You couldn't see him. So, and, and, and also, they were very exclusive. Of course they were. They were separate. They, they didn't join in all the festivals and parties and all the stuff that took place in the temples, which often was grossly immoral. And, and, but also, they, they, they were a cultured people. And I think the Romans learned that, actually, these, these, if, if you tolerated the Jewish nation, then you got the benefit of their culture and... Um, and, and uh, and Christianity was regarded until this time of Nero as part of um, the umbrella of Judaism. Judaism um, was theologically divided itself. And uh, so Christi the Christians were seen just as a part of that. But that changed um, in, in about AD 67. And I think I mentioned it in, the, in our first talk that at the time when Rome burned, um, people were beginning to look at the emperors as possibly the person who orchestrated all this because he wanted a new Rome built. And uh, that was Nero. It was a nasty, nasty piece of work. And normally he would, he would, he would put the blame on the Jewish nation for things that went wrong. Uh, but this time... Yeah, the blame for the first time was fixed on the Christians. And I think, as I said in the first talk, that some believe that 
the reason for that was that his wife was a sympathizer towards the Jewish the Jewish people and and Jewish religion. Uh, interestingly enough that it was Nero that actually kicked her to death, so it may well be that, that, that there was some there was some truth in that. But what happened after that persecution in Rome, although it was localised to Rome, although it was pretty brutal, um, sort of letters were sent out around the empire pointing out what had taken place. And there was this group of people called Christians. Now, one of the things that Romans, the Romans hated was uh, people who, were, who, who, who formed associations. They were very suspicious of associations. And I'll refer to that a little bit. Um, uh, in, in, in a while, but so as far as they was concerned, they were they were a, an association where people met together, but they were not legalized to do so. Okay, so what we're going to come on to this morning um, is is really the third the third battle. So the first battle was the Dutch one. The second was then, uh, or the first one rather was with the Jewish um, antagonism. And then secondly, the, the, the battle with the doctrinal one. But thirdly, it was a physical battle. It was really a battle with the Roman, uh, the Roman authority um, themselves. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to go through all the persecutions because they were numerous. And, and some, some were very local. In fact, his church historians, like oh, I guess all historians, they tend to disagree on how much the church actually was persecuted over these three centuries. But there were some major persecutions that I'm going to uh, um, highlight um, in, in this talk. But first of all, I would, I would just like to go to the end of the first century to an emperor called Domitian. Now, as you probably know, the, the, the emperors were um, regarded as divine they were deified they were amongst the gods and so temples were erected and um, there was emperor worship and very strong in some of these um, some of these places where the church was was, was growing up to places like philippi um, and uh, and but the, the their deification came place after their death so for julius caesar for and 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 uh, and for uh, Augustus um, and one or two others, um, it was after their death that they were that they were regarded as divine. But this emperor Domitian, who again was a rather sullen, a nasty piece of work, he deified himself, declared himself deified during during his lifetime, and he was he was obviously concerned about the growth of the Christian church. It was seen that a number of his family members, close family members, had become Christians. Christianity by this time, at the end of the first century, is, is getting amongst the, 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 the more upper class people, those that come from noble families that have property. Um, it is now spread into right, right there into Caesar's palace. And he pur purges that as best he can. Uh, some family members were put to death. Likewise, some of the senates that had become Christians and others had their properties ex uh, um, 
uh, taken away from them and then others were exiled. So he begins a purge on the Christian church and, and, and that really was the first sort of empire-wide persecution of the church. Many believe that John's revelation is the background to that persecution. But as I said, the, the Romans were very suspicious of people who gathered together on a regular basis. They thought there, there was maybe some conspiracy that was taking place in that. And we have a, a, a letter, two letters in actual fact, quite, quite lengthy, when the Emperor Trajan, or Trajan, he appoints a guy called um, Pliny to be governor of Bithynia in 112 AD. And some correspondence takes place because, because Pliny um, is one of these guys who likes to cover his back. And so rather than get blamed for something which the emperor could have thought was his negligence, he writes to the emperor and, and he says, Emperor, I need some advice from you because one of the things I've discovered as I've come to Bithynia that and the temples are neglected, they're not well attended, very little sacrifices are being made. The farmers who provide those meal sacrifices are complaining that there's a loss of income. And, and it all comes down, it seems, that there is a, 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 new, a new religion. There's a, there's a group of people who meet, seem to, um, they, they worship somebody that we put to death in Jerusalem. Um, and, and almost a... A um, hundred years ago, and um, um, and I, I really don't know what to do with them because they are they are a, a growing, a, a growing fast. Many are being converted, and they seem to meet most mornings. They 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 quite innocuous. They pray. They sing songs of worship. They they take bread, which they regard as his body, and 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 and. and and wine they drink as is shed blood. But to be honest, they're nice people. This is my problem. I, I, I really don't know what to do because, you know, when, when, when our, our legions come home and those that are wounded and, and, and are never going to be able to take up arms again, they don't have pensions, they're, they're left to, well, they're just left to rot and die. These people, they take care of them, heal their wounds, they... And, and they're just a generous people. So what do I do with them? And Trajan writes back and he says, well, basically, treat them, treat them normally as, as normal Roman citizens. And, um, but if they offend the Roman law, then obviously you prosecute them according to Roman law. Um, so Christianity wasn't outlawed. But of course, you know, uh, there were those who hated the Christians that took, that took an opportunity here to make complaints against them. And the big issue was this, who is Lord and God? And Domitian had declared himself as Lord and God. And right through the, 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 the Acts of the Apostles, and, and, and now right through this period of history, this was the question, who is the king? Is it Jesus or is it Caesar? And, and that, was, that, 
that led to persecution of the church, particularly in the third and early fourth centuries. Christianity was to be outlawed around 130 AD under the reign of Hadrian. And you remember Hadrian because of Hadrian's wall, he was here as commander of the forces um, in, in England. Um, there was a revolt by the Jews again um, in around that time uh, under a leader called Bar Kokhba. Um, again, it was similar to what happened in Jerusalem, but the Romans put it down and it made a declaration, an edict to the fact that Jerusalem was now closed as far as both Jews and Christians were concerned and Christianity was uh, declared illegal. And really for the next, for about the next hundred years, you find there is persecution of the church. It's, it's um, sporadic. Um, if you've watched the film, The Gladiator, um, you'll find that Marcus Aurelius, who really wanted to be known as a philosopher, he was very much a persecutor um, of, of the church. Um, but you remember his, his son that there was... Um, that the, the film was, was very much about, and the one who wanted to be a gladiator. Strangely enough, it was his wife who was a Christian, and, and he very much tolerated um, the Christian church. But in the mid-2nd century and the early 3rd century, there were two persecutions that were to change things for the Christians, um, uh, and we need to just study them. Um, the first is around 250 AD under an emperor called Decius. Now, leading up to this, there'd been about 50 or so years of peace, toleration. Christianity was becoming more respectable. The, the churches now had their own buildings for the first time. They were amongst um, the higher echelons of the um, society as well. Um, they held down uh, government positions and generally they were accepted as just part uh, and parcel of, of the fabric of society. But Decius, Decius um, had a problem. <clears throat> he was not doing too well. Um, this, is, this is the time when the the, the empire is beginning uh, to show its its weakness. It's it's crumbling. Um, there are those that are knocking on its borders, that are invading. The the, the, the legions are not um, as as strong as they used to be, um, and so he 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 wants to bring the church into disrepute. He he needs to blame someone, because remember I said earlier. Um, that they, they believed that the gods needed placating. If things were going wrong, it's because the gods were not being honoured. And so Decius puts the blame for everything on this group of people, the Christians. And what he does, he orders a, a, 
an empire-wide sacrifice. That means you would go to the temple, you would buy an offering, a meal offering, you would then go and sacrifice, and then you'll be given a certificate. And that certificate would testify to the fact that you'd comply with the emperors. And the church had grown uh, successful. It was um, pretty wealthy, and, but it was weak. And many of those who were confessing Christians, they apostatized, they denied their faith. They, they went to the temple and they made their they made their sacrifice. Some that had friends in high places, they didn't actually do that, but they, they paid a bribe, and so they were given a certificate. And basically, Decius, Decius got what he wanted. He got the church. The church came into disrepute, and, and, and the church became the scapegoat for all the calamity that was at that time in the Roman Empire. And then followed another period um, of peace but for the church it was a wake-up call and so during that next 50 years the church um, tightened its belt um, there was much more emphasis on discipleship and of of of, of self-denial and uh, of you know we living for Christ and by the time the next persecution comes, it's in 303 AD under an emperor called Diocletian. Now, Diocletian, in, in Roman terms, was a pretty good emperor because he was, he was restoring the power um, of the army. Um, he was dealing with the issues on the borders, um, those that were raiding the borders of the Roman Empire. And so in, in that sense, he was a pretty, a, pre, a pretty good guy. But again, he, he, he wanted to restore Roman religion. He saw religion as that which can unify the people. Now, that's not the sort of thing that we think ourselves, because religion, religion seems to divide people. But, in, but there, he saw if we can restore the Roman religion... We will be a unified, a unified people. We're going to find in in a, in a few minutes that Constantine, the first Roman uh, Christian em emperor, um, maybe maybe not. We'll, we'll, we can discuss that. He also sees that he can use he can use religion as a unifying force, and of course he allies himself with the Christians in order to do that. But Diocletian. He didn't want to just bring the church into disrepute. He actually wanted to destroy the church. And so he also ordered an empire-wide sacrifice. But this time, the church, the church was ready. And many were martyred. Many were put to death. Many were, many were imprisoned. And the church was a great witness during this time. Before the end of Diocletian's reign, he realised that persecuting the church was not working. And so he, 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 was, he had also come to the place of realising, actually, we, we, we need to be doing something else. But what was happening in the meantime within the empire is that there were four emperors 
two senior, two juniors. And one of those junior emperors was a guy called um, Constantine. He had been in charge of the, he was commander of the troops that were in the north of England. Um, and, but now he's, he's come back to, he's come back home and there's now a struggle between these emperors. And basically in 312 AD, there was, uh, there was a one, one final battle to be fought between him and another emperor at a place called Milvine Bridge in 312. And this is how the story goes. We don't know whether it's myth, legend, or whether it's truth. But he's a worshipper of the sun god. And the night before the battle, he goes out and he begins to pray. And as he begins to pray, he sees a sign in the sky of a cross. And he hears a voice saying to him, by this sign, conquer. So the next day, although facing overwhelming odds, he puts the, the cross on all his soldiers' tunics, and possibly their shields, but they go by this cross and they win um, the, the, the battle and he becomes the sort of um, senior or more or less sole emperor of the whole empire now. And again, <laughs> historians argue as to whether he was genuinely converted or not. I think the jury is still out on that one. Only eternity will tell the full story. But one of the things, one of the things that he did see that he 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 could use the church, that he saw the church as a unifying, as a unifying force. And he began a program, first of all, of sort of um, um, favoritism. And this is going to sound a little bit silly, silly to us, um, because this, this is basic stuff. But he, 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 in in in, in um, um, three hundred and thirteen, there was an edict of Milan. And he, he showed how he was going to change things, for particularly for Christians. First of all, abolished crucifixion. Secondly, he lengthened the length of chain that prisoners should wear. Again, you may think, well, that's not a big deal. Well, if you're in prison, it, it, it could well be a big deal. But one of the other things he did, he elevated the... He elevated the status of women because in the Roman Empire, a woman, once she was married, had no status at all and she, she had no rights over her, her own property. Her husband could demand um, an abortion any time or if a daughter was born, which he didn't want, which most of them didn't, they only wanted sons, then that daughter would be left out to die at night and perish or be devoured by wild animals. And so what he, what he allowed was what we would call adoption. He allowed uh, Christians to purchase, you know, children of those who didn't want them and to, and to, and to, and to, get, to get rid of them. Um, and he, he began over these, 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 this next um, two decades to go through a programme of basically 
bringing the Roman, the Roman state under the official religion of Christianity. Now, again, people disagree. Was that a good thing? Was that a bad thing? Okay, well, perhaps we'll come back to that. But <laughs> it's interesting that up to this time, the, 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 the church is dealing with an enemy outside. But now, now the church has its own problems within as they get to grips with what is happening with Constantine. And the, the, there were several controversies. And the first was this. How, how do you deal with those who were persecuted and who denied the faith, those that compromised, and some said, "Well, you know, we just got to just got to show grace. We we got to forgive them. Uh, they're, they're, they're part of our family." But there were others who said, "No, no, the you know we we need disciples. Those that denied the faith, well, we need to lead them to God. We expel them." And then came the. Another another controversy. Well, if if we're going to forgive these those that have apostatized, those who denied the faith, well, who has the right to forgive them? I mean, some of the bishops escaped during this time, so are they any better themselves? And what happened was these those who had apostatized, some of them they went to friends who had been in prison. Who maybe has, maybe have been got the, got the scars for life of what the, the the tortures that they had and you know their physicality was not good and they would go to their friends and they would say look I let you down please forgive me they might think hold on this is silly well it's not really because even in even in our own time within our own churches if someone has done something that has been very offensive and they've they've come to a place of repentance they may well stand before the church and say well actually i let you down i'm sorry will you forgive me now the only person who, who, who can forgive is god but so they were going to people who had suffered and they would say will you forgive me so and so so you get the beginning of confession and you get the beginning of forgiveness from other than other than god the beginning of a sort of priestly office um others others would would sort of begin to honor honor some of these that had lost their lives these martyrs that they're worth honoring but how do you honor the martyrs well so, some people and this will be strange to us they would actually dig up some of the graves and they would actually say have a bone of the martyr well you know where we're going here don't you you know i had 1200 years to this and we're into all the relics that we're going to meet at the reformation we're also going to meet the priests who confess who give who take confession um, and, and this seeds are sown here because once you begin to go away from the scriptures, then you find that multiply that by 1200 years, you get into a serious, serious heresy. And then there are others that would say, well, we need to visit. Well, you know, 
in that place, there was that wonderful, wonderful martyr. Let's visit, let's, let, let's, let's visit his, his graveyard. Let's pray there. There must be power there because of the, and again, it's this whole thing of pilgrimages. And, and um, so when you look at this, the, 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 the church becoming the official religion of the empire, was it good? Was it bad? Well, <laughs> the legacy that Constantine left uh, was going to, um, you know, in 1200 years later, it was going to lead to what we call the Reformation. Um, in Europe and, and later, of course, in England. Um, so what did the church do over all these issues? Well, they did what church normally does when there's issues they can't sort out. They split. So there was a, a, a church split. And there were those who said, no, the church primarily is, is a hospital for the weak and the suffering. And there was others that said, no, it's a barrack room for disciples, for soldiers of the cross. And so they split. And then after four years, they sorted their differences out and they came back uh, together again. But then there was more controversy. This is church, isn't it? Those that were saved in the, in the, in the churches, which were not the official churches, if you like, in our, in, our, in our lingo, the house churches, well, they were baptized, but who were they baptized by? Were they baptised by an official bishop? So was their bishop, was, was, was that a valid baptism? Or should we need to confirm that? You can see where we're going, can't you? And so all sorts of... Um, and anyway, who ordained, who ordained these ministers that have been baptising? Oh my goodness, it goes on and on. So, so <laughs> the Roman Empire now coming into the church being its official religion, they're now fighting battles within themselves. Um, and so although Constantine made many social, um, social changes, which were very good, he honored singles. He said, why should we tax singles when celibacy is a call of God? And as I said, the orphans um, were cared for. Um, and many, many, many uh, Christian leaders took official office. And again, you get this joining of church and state. And basically, what you end up with is that people are declared Christian, not because they've had an encounter with Jesus, but basically because they've, they are declared Christian by, by edict. Um, Constantine is known for basically two real blunders. And uh, the first was when he interfered in uh, a theological um, uh, difficulty. I mentioned in the last talk a guy called Arius, a presbyter called Arius um, in Alexandria, who um, came from a sort of a, a Greek sort of way of thinking, I think genuinely converted, but trying to work out the relationship between the father and the son. And he came up with this little sort of pithy saying that there was a time when he was not. In other words, there was a time when there was just the father. 
So Jesus is 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 is, is not is not totally <laughs> the same as the Father because there was a time when 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 he wasn't there. So the whole the whole thing of Jesus being co-eternal, co-existent, and and this was causing all sorts of, of problems and um, and um, because Constantine wanted unity in the church. Um, he took it upon himself to call the bishops together at a place called Nicaea and they worked out a compromise. I think I mentioned uh, that before. But now you, you find church and state being joined, the state interfering with church affairs in order that there might be peace, etc, etc, etc. And some would see that as a very bad thing. Others would say, no, that's, that's, that's a good thing. We love, we love having a state, a state church. Um, but the second, the second was that there were a group of people called the Donatists who were led by a guy called Donatus and, and said, this is not the church we want. We want a pure church, church pure in doctrine, pure in practice. We, and, and they won't toe the line as far as Constantine is concerned. So what does he do? He raises an army against them. So now, instead of the Roman authorities persecuting the church, basically you've got the church fighting the church. And again, it sets the tone for some of the religious wars of the next centuries, particularly leading up to um, the Reformation time. So he did, he did leave a legacy that was not, um, not very, very good. So that's what happens after the Acts. We've taken it to the beginning of the third century, uh, fourth century. But what we see now is that the, there were seeds sown as, as um, the persecutions come to an end um, and as Constantine uh, takes the lead, he's the lead emperor. You see there are seeds sown which ultimately will lead to uh, the Reformation. Now, let me say this. During the next 1,200 years leading up to the Reformation, and by that, we will begin that with, let's say, um, Martin Luther's nailing of the 95 Theses in 1517 in Wittenberg. But leading up to that time, there were those who wanted a pure church. Right through the history of that time, some of them were a bit off, uh, you know, a bit off theologically, but they were they 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 wanted they wanted something that was straight out of the New Testament. And who persecuted them? It was the church who persecuted them. And, um, and there were some good things during that time, particularly in England um, during those during those years, uh, because we were separated from all that was all the excesses that were taking place in Rome. Um, we were, we, 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 being an island, we were somewhat protected and didn't go through all that. Um, and there was all sorts of missions and wonderful people like Francis of Assisi um, and St. Patrick and others. You can read that in, um, in some of the church history books. So I hope that's been helpful. And as I said earlier, I look forward to seeing you guys so much in the flesh in the not too distant future.
God bless. Bye-bye.